live from Connecticut in Minneapolis. It is the podcast. Greetings, putting pals. Welcome to another live and loud version of the podcast. We're doing this all here live streamed on Facebook via StreamYard. And so you can see the faces of us and our wonderful guest that we're going to bring on in a second. And it will also give you an opportunity to drop your questions and comments in the chat. Uh, we'll be using this live event also as an audio-only podcast. And we'll be doing our best to describe, if I'm moving my hands around, I'm going to talk about it like I'm doing right now. So if someone's listening to a podcast in their car, they are not, like in on the joke or whatever we're doing. So uh, yeah, that's that's it. You're going to hear this either audio or you're watching live. And we even putting up uh, comments on the screen. We have Josh Marr saying hi there from Australia. And uh, yeah, we're going to get the ball rolling. If you don't know, my name's Tom, um, one of your co-hosts. If you don't know much about me, uh, you can check out the mini golf endeavor that I do with my wife, where we do mini golf designs, reviews, and more. Uh, my wife, the pink putter uh, at a couple of putts.com. And we're on social media at couple putts. If you're looking for course or design work, you can go to mini golf designers.com where you can buy some mini golf merch at mini golf goods.com. And to my, whatever direction you're watching this video <laughs> left or right is my co-host. Yeah, so you know me. I'm Pat from the Putting Penguin, and uh, similar to Tom, you can find all of our Penguin fun out across the social media at the Putting Penguin accounts, whether it's Twitter. We still hang on. Actually, it's not even Twitter anymore. It's X, X. or something. Whatever. We're still there. Instagram, YouTube, we're all those. men now. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about that. X Penguin. <laughs> you have to think. I guess our power would be maybe like really good at mini golf. We'll have to, we'll have to workshop that one a little bit. Uh, if you are watching us or listening to us on the podcast, uh, you know where to find us. And if you are listening to us, make sure you like, subscribe, give us five stars. You can't really do that with a live. I think you can like go to our page and review the podcast. Maybe on Facebook. I don't know. I shouldn't really know how these things work after whatever yeah. three years of doing this. Um, but yeah, you know, it's important. Just continue to to give us the love. We love the comments here, both on the live. We like when people send us stuff offline, give us ideas, things they want to talk about. So keep keep sending it our way. And as I always say, it's the official podcast of the AMA, as I have my polo on right now, the American Mini Golf Alliance. You can find more information at amaminigolf.com and become a member and earn points. I literally just updated the rankings once again that I didn't even get to tell Pat that. We had some new members from, we had some actually just members renew from the miniest, or the miniest, the MC Mini Masters back in June. So we updated our rankings a little bit. And we'll talk some more about some events that the AMA is putting on for competitive mini golf. We're going to have about 20 tournaments this year in total and have a lot left for 2023. And if you become a member for free, it's all due and thanks to our sponsors of the podcast and the podcast in general. Walk about mini golf. It's awesome. But we want to jump right in. We want to bring our guest on to the screen. Green and our special guest is 
Joey Grabiel, who I'm bringing in live. I'm going to put a little uh, streaming banner here. Uh, you might know that he's won the 2019 Masters of Mini Golf. And you might know that he's also won three events in the World Putting League that's kicked off here in 2023. He's wearing that fancy outfit. Um, but and welcome, Let's not forget Joey. the U.S. Open, the 2016 the US, US Open. Open. I wore that shirt just for him. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. I'm happy to be here. And I was going to try to list off like all of your putt-putt and mini-golf things, and I knew I'd get it wrong, and I made some notes, and Pat like added to it. It's just... How about you, Joey, like to start off our conversation, share a couple of the big mini golf accomplishments that you've had in your career that we haven't mentioned already. You've won three WBL events, Masters, U.S. Open, National Putt-Putt Champion. National Putt-Putt Championship last year in Augusta. Keep going. I've been you, per- I- been pretty fortunate. I won the won the Western Open in Texas. I won the, the Players Championship in Kingsport. I won two amateur national championships putt putt. And I think I won the Hall of Fame Classic when I was an amateur putt putt. All those are majors. So that's probably my biggest wins, those. What was the first tournament you ever won? The first tournament to be major. Won? The first tournament you ever won. Traveling or just period? Just period. Local tournament in Bristol. When I, I started working putt-putt when I was 15 years old, and I started playing the tournament, so that was my first ever win, 1985. Nice. And for those that don't know, Joey, Bristol, Tennessee, correct? Yes, sir. And that's where you're from? Bristol, Tennessee. There we go. And uh, we already got a comment in uh, – on Facebook, uh, Josh Mars from Australia saying that uh, you're on his Mount Rushmore of U.S. putters and <laughs> can't disagree. There wow. are, uh, and he's looking forward to hearing your thoughts. And uh, we got another comment here uh, from a past podcast guest, Vanette Block, saying amazing competitor and even more incredible human being, which I think. We both feel very uh, comfortable affirming uh, very much so. Uh, Joey is just a fantastic person and representative of the game of mini golf and putting in general because it's not just mini golf. Yeah, I I really enjoy helping people. Um, I share all my shots, my deuce charts. Usually 13 or 14 people have my deuce charts at the Masters. (laughs) I just really enjoy seeing people do well. I guess that's why Vanette said that I was an incredible human being. I try very hard to be, and that's the most important thing to me is to be really nice to other people. And the wins are awesome, but making friends and the friends a lot more important than me. Well, yeah, I mean, I think first met you was in 2016 when you won the U S open. I mean, that was one of the things that struck me about, I mean, you were such a a gracious winner of it and having gotten to know you, you know, since then more when we were in New Jersey at the U S open, hanging out, you know, at the pony bet in there and and just having a good time. Yeah. I had a firm, like you bring a really great 
friendly, outgoing energy to the game and just, you know, we're always willing to talk to people. And that's, yeah, it's great for somebody who's got such a list of accomplishments too. And I, I mean, I know a lot of the players are like that, but I just, I really appreciate it over the past few years getting to know you. I, I really have enjoyed getting to know y'all too. I mean, like I said, the friendships you make in these, they last forever. So they'll forget in two or three years what you've won. But friendships always last. I mean, if I hadn't mentioned all that stuff, people wouldn't even know what I won. They really don't care. <laughs> but they really do care about how you treat them. So it's... you always treat people really well. And that's the number one thing to me. I want to see people do good too. I always want to see people do well in tournaments. And I seen Tom over in High Point. Me and him hung out <laughs> some. And, you know, we had a blast over there. And it was hot. But I really enjoyed seeing Tom over there and giving it a try. And, he done really well for his first tournament in putt putt. It's it's very hard to compete against those guys. They're they're really amazing. Yeah, they are. And uh, I mean, in Hickory last week, I was down by one stroke going the last game to Randy Reeves, and I shot twenty six and I lost by seven. Oh, that's <laughs> right. I saw his score. He shot a twenty he, that final round. I mean, he shot twenty. Poor Noopy. <laughs> Noopy's sitting. <laughs> Three strokes ahead. He shoots 24 the last game. He loses by one stroke. Uh, That's how good. That's just an example of how good they are. They do it every week, too. It's not just yeah. one week. They do it every week. Somebody's always showing off. And it's, it's fun to watch. It's super fun to watch. And what Joey's referring to is like I talked about in the last podcast where I talked about going up to High Point Mini Golf in North Carolina. And there was a Southern Tour event there. And then there was one again last weekend at the putt-putt in hickory north carolina they just got like putt-putts all over and actually kind of to what uh joey was talking about being memorable to play with uh, another comment that we got from another pro brian johnson saying always a good day when i get to play with joey which i think speaks volumes because i'm sure he's been Maybe even recently, if I remember WPL events right, on the wrong end of the scorecard with you. And, you know, some and and when people say that, it's like this is why they do it. They're like if all they cared about was the competition, then they wouldn't be coming out and saying, Hey, like it's really fun playing. I think there is something about that, the energy you get that it makes you want to win, but it makes just the experience just more fun and memorable. Right. I tell Penny all the time I like to see people do good and Brian, he could have really he could have come out and talked in that last tournament. He got three or four bad breaks oh. on three or four holes that could have went his way. But many golf you just don't know. You never yeah. know. And you know, as y'all seen the last one I went out of bounds. Most people probably put the X on me when I went out of bounds. But <laughs> in many golf you just never know and I know that course, and y'all played that course. And uh, oh yeah, it, the last four or five holes, you can make them, but you can miss every one of them too. And oh, I knew I had yeah. a chance just because of that. It wasn't like the front nine where you could make three or four in a row and not gain anything. Right. But yeah, right. that's a nice comment by Brian. He, Brian's a super special guy, and he's gonna come out on top of some of these things very, very soon. He's too good a player not to. Yeah, that that we would concur. 
Yeah, and I was glad you brought up the last event. Well, in in general, all the events, this has come through as well, too. But very clearly when it was you and Gary out there, you know, watching the camaraderie between you. But that point, I know Tom and I, when we, I mean, I've gone out of bounds there at 11. So I know how it feels, but not under that level of pressure. But I know Tom and I were like, oh, this is rough. Like, there's a lot of aces. But Gary, that also means Gary can do a lot of aces in that back. That's right. That's exactly right. And I was just, you know, and I guess you alluded a little bit of like, you know, thinking that, but, you know, what put us in your mind frame at that point of like, what <laughs> did you do anything to calm down? Like, because that's just got to be such a, a, a kick in the gut a little bit to have, you know, something. I mean, has that ever happened to you at the Masters even? Like, go yeah, out of bounds I've went, out, bounce. I've went okay. out bounce there two or three times because I'm aggressive. <laughs> I was trying to make it. And uh, I usually lay up for a two on that hole, but I was losing to Gary. And I, anytime he gets a two, I need to try to make it because Gary's such a good player. Like you saying, he could have made the rest of them, and I would have had no chance. So I, I felt like I had to go for it, and I went for it. But when it went out of bounds, uh, I just always think I can overcome those things. Uh, I feel like I play good in the moment. I thought if I could get one back real fast, I would just be one down. So I made that up on 14, and when I made that, made that one stroke up on 14, I was like, well, I'm just one down now, so anything can happen. But I never quit is what I was thinking at that moment. Don't quit because you never quit. Get over and see if you can make the rest of them. That's what I was t- thinking at that moment. Well, I'm definitely going to have to borrow your deuce shot for that out of bounds because that wasn't an easy putt either from where you were. Like That's a that's a long putt on 11, and that does weird <laughs> things. <laughs> it's got that uh, – it's the only hole on the course that has a raised cup, which mm-hmm. I'm sure y'all have seen. It's got a little mm-hmm. bit of a raised cup around it, and if you hit it easy, it just deflects off the cup, and it'll miss left or right. So I just charged it. I just aimed it for the middle and just charged it. And fortunate enough to hit it straight. <laughs> <laughs> How worried I, were you that Gary was going to get an ace on 18 after you sank it? Because you guys are both, I mean, you're both able of doing it. And yours was, I mean, it was an amazing. I, I was particularly well, happy because that put you over on the aces. And I was like, yes, but <laughs> I, I wonder what it was like knowing that Gary still like can make that right behind you. I, I like my chances because playing with Gary a lot, he lays up on that hole. Mm-hmm. He lays it for a two in, in competition. So he don't play the ace shot a whole lot. He does know it very well because he lives there naturally. It wasn't like something he'd never tried before. But he usually lays up on it. So I was kind of liking my chances. And even if somebody goes for it all the time, I would still like my chances on that hole. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. I mean... You get dialed in on it sometimes. I mean, that, that day we was there, we had – Four practice rounds, me and Gary, and I made it three times. And then wow. I made it the fourth time. I made it four out of five games. The, wow. the tournament before that, I played 10 rounds of practice and I hit the statue eight times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you really got to get dialed in on the speed of how to hit that putt to mm-hmm. make it. And it's very, very precise. The spot you're trying to hit the size of a dime. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, I felt really good when I made it. I was like, I'm probably going to win, but you never know with these guys. 
you know, I kind of expect them to make it behind me because they're all so good. <laughs> you just never know. But when you make a hole like that, you got to like your chances. I mean, it's probably a one or two out of ten shot, I think. And for those of you that are not familiar with either the hole or course we're talking about, it's the Aloha South Course in Myrtle Beach. And it's hole 18 where Joey had just won the last World Putting League event on the last hole against Gary Hester. And we had made a video on a couple of putts of the entire field in 2019 trying to make 18. That would have been at the end of that. What is that? The 10th round? Yeah. The end of the 10th round. And you can see that like the major overwhelming majority of the players in the field did not make that shot. And the shot is a really tough one because it's sort of a dog leg right uphill and you really have to play off these organic volcano volcanic rocks that like Joey said, there is no room for air when you hit that rock. If you catch it wrong, ball comes right back at you. It kind of takes a weird kick and spins might hit the statue that Joey was talking about right. if you get it to go wrong. <laughs> Mr. Bob. Yeah, it, it can go a lot of different <laughs> ways. And some of the times it just barely misses the cup because you don't want to leave it short either. You want to get it up there and sometimes you, you, you punch it and that might just mean you get weird results. So it's, it's a wild hole to, to, to finish on. And I think what I'm interested, because you, you had shared – a lot of wisdom at high point when we had played at that putt putt event. And you'd kind of talked about a little bit about your mentality going into tournaments. And I'd be curious if you'd be willing to share how you approach a tournament as someone who's maybe gets in their own way and gets in their own head. You don't necessarily have that fear. And is it, it's something that, you've kind of always had when you've approached the game or is this something just over time you just have this determination and confidence? I've always had the determination to do well. Even when I was a little kid, I would get out there and out practice people. So I've always had that. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of the really, really great players outwork the other players. They'll get out there and practice eight or 10 hours and you'll see players practice three or four hours. And most of these players are around the same caliber. So you really got to outwork them. Stay out there on that course and putt until your legs can't stand no more and your arms can't stand no more. And then when you feel like that, play three more games. And get <laughs> ready for when the tournament starts because at the end of these tournaments, I'm sure you've noticed your adrenaline's pumping. Everything's pumping through you, and the first thing that goes is your legs. The first thing that goes on me is my legs. So I try to torture my legs and try to torture my body so when I get in a tournament, it's not as hard as it normally would be. It's a little bit easier because I've already tortured myself so bad. But um, the mentality, I feel like I'm going to win. I take the mentality that I'm going to win every time. I'm not going to. But I don't think you can win if you don't take that mentality in there. I think you have to be a little cocky to yourself. I don't think you have to say it out loud. You know, say, I'm going to stomp you and Pat today. But I think you need to say <laughs> stuff like that to yourself. To yourself, just tell yourself, you know what? I've prepared myself. I've outworked them. 
And now I'm ready to do it when it matters. And uh, don't be scared of the moment. A lot of people are scared of the moment. They, we work so hard to get there. So when you get to the moment, enjoy it. Just go ahead and embrace it and enjoy it. And that way, I think you'll play better. It's, it's hard to free yourself up when there's a lot of pressure on you. And uh, thinking that way frees you up to play really well, I think. Yeah, I. It, it's funny because you had said that and I started looking at moments where I did have confidence in myself and I didn't start putting myself, well, maybe I could, you know, do okay. It's just like, no, I. there's no reason why I can't win this whole thing. I practiced, yeah. but in my time... And and if and let the chips fall where they may, I've lost before, but I've also won, so why not win again? That sounds like more fun. And the, never worry about the outcome. A lot of people are worried about the outcome. They're thinking about the trophy, thinking about the prize, thinking about the prestige that comes with it, and all the things that comes after you win. Well, you're not to that point yet. So you need to take all that and just shut it all out and just play and try to perform as best you can and not think ahead and stay in the middle. I say that all the time when I'm interviewed. People probably wonder what I'm saying, but when I say stay in the middle, it's just as bad to get high as it is low, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Like you can make five or six aces in a row and all of a sudden you're pumped up and you get your adrenaline pumping through you and all of a sudden you'll make a mistake because you got really too high. And when bad things happen, don't get too low. Just just stay in the middle and hang in there and not worry about the outcome. And when it's all over, let the chips fall where they may and go far and look and see where you finished. I never look at the scoreboards <laughs> in tournaments. I think it, it changes the way you play mm -hmm. if you look at the scoreboards. Um, Greg Newport's probably, the, in my opinion, the best player in the world right now, and he'll tell you the exact opposite. He'll go off there and he knows what everybody's shooting at all the time. And that's the way he likes to play. He likes to, to know. Me, I guess my brain capacity is just not as big as his. I don't need that much rolling around in my brain up there. I just, I just need to go out there and play and just see where the chips fall. Yeah. <laughs> but everybody approaches it different. Like I said, Noopy wants to, he can tell you, we could be on hole seven and you could be on four and Tom could be on 17 and he'd tell you what all of us are shooting in the middle <laughs> of the game. So everybody approaches it different. But me, I just want to play it and see what happens at the end. And if I look at the scoreboard, it gets my adrenaline pumping and I don't want to do none of that. I just want to play. I think it'll help everybody if they just play. Just play. Yeah, it's yeah. easy to say, but that's, that's really the key is just play. There's a lot of hoopla, too, in these tournaments that people get top, caught up in. You know, a lot of drama and things. Mm -hmm. And uh, you got to deal with the cameraman. You got to deal with people taking pictures of you in your backswing. Flashes going off. And there's just a lot to it. You just, that's why I say just go out there and have fun and see where the chips fall. I like it. I like it. I know it's, it is hard to, like, not think about where you are. I think about this last mm -hmm. Masters, and, you know, I, I've been trying to do more of every hole that I play is just its own self-contained thing, right? Like, mm -hmm. I know how to play that hole. I'm just going to play that hole. doesn't matter what I did the hole before. doesn't matter what I did the hole after. It's just that hole. 
and play that. But then you start doing well, and you're right. Like I know our, our sister podcast, The Fifty Four Problems. They had a sports psychologist on, and she mentioned some of the same things, right? Like you, you, it's we all think about going low and how that's bad, but getting that too much adrenaline, especially in a sport like ours, that's so precision focused. Yeah, you right. get that running through you, and you're like, oh. And the next thing you know, you rattled <laughs> off like three bogeys, and you're like, oh, well, maybe maybe that wasn't so good. So. Uh, it's yeah, true. No, I, the adrenaline can get you. Yeah, but that's what I mean. It's an interesting way, and and you certainly seem to have like the personality to kind of fit that mentality too. You know, it comes across and just like you know the the love and life and the, the players and everything. And and obviously, it's worked for you. <laughs> I, I mean, I I've had a lot of bad things happen to me in my life, guys, and over the years, and a mini golf in the putt putt game. I love to play it. But at the end of the day, it's not a big deal. It's just something we love to do, and it's a game we love to play. So that's why I say the friendships and all that. I mean, like, uh, you know, Brian saying that he really enjoyed playing with me, that's a trophy that you have to earn. You, you can't win that trophy. You can go shoot 54 for 54 holes tomorrow, and you can't win that trophy. Those are the things that are the most important to me when I play this game. I just love the people. Well, let in keeping with like a really positive, uplifting uh, topic. One question I had because you've played a ton of putt putt, you've played a ton of mini golf. Do you have like a single favorite course, or are there like a couple of courses that are your favorite that you just not only have good experiences on them, but you just like step on the course and you're just like excited to play. Yeah, obviously I like my home courses, Kingsport and Bristol. Uh, traveling away from here. Um, I really love the Roanoke putt putt course. Um, I love the Burlington putt putt course. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I know I wanted to putt you, but I can't wait to go back there again because if you shot even par every game, you would walk the dog. You'd win by like 20 strokes probably if you just shoot even par every game. And that's like the only course we've ever played really like that. You know, yeah. I don't even I don't even think I shot even par a game. I think I shot like 38, 38, 37, 38, 39, something like that when I went up there. I thought that was a really interesting course. Everybody was aggravated, and that played right up my alley too. <laughs> you, you read Jack Nicholas' books about golf and – one of the things he done, he walked in the clubhouse and seen who I was aggravated about the pin setups and the course design, and he said, just put X on them. Just X them off one at a time. Somebody didn't have to beat. They didn't beat himself. So I love <laughs> the tough the tough courses like that, and obviously I like the master's courses. Yeah. I, love the, I think the pineapple course is probably the best mini golf course that I've ever played as far as scoring. I mm-hmm. mean – Tony shot 22 on it. And somebody ever said somebody's going to shoot 22 in mini golf, I'd say you have lost your mind. But <laughs> that course, you can do it. Tony did it. So that course is probably the best scoring mini golf course I've ever played. And it's beautiful also. All those courses at the Myrtle Beach are so pretty with all the palm trees and all that stuff. Um, That's probably my favorite ones. Those right there are probably my favorites. It, this isn't to 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 also get you to give away which course someone else could X you off the list, but is there a frustrating course out there, like a course, not that you dislike, but that it's like a course that you feel like it 
it owns just a little bit of space in your head and you'd like to and you'd like to get it you you, you kind of owe it one is there like a course where you're like come on i you owe me and i i want i want this one or you'll laugh when I, you'll laugh when i say this but it's one of the ones that i like uh, burlington <laughs> owes me one i had some close calls of her last the last two majors up there i finished in the top three yeah, I know I'm very happy that I finished in top three, but we all know we play to win. Yeah. So I feel like Burlington owes me one. <laughs> you hear that, <laughs> even Burlington? Though do, even though I do love the course, it owes me one. That, that is that is totally fair. I have more than a few courses that I absolutely love that uh, even recently, Parking, I absolutely adore that course, and it just – battered me in june in the tournament and i'm just like i looked at my scores and it's like i've my wife showed me a scorecard from when we played it the very first time and i had the same scores this is way before i was playing competitively it's like okay next time around next time around we're gonna we're gonna get it in that elevator the first time and hit it through that tiki head and get it through the big guitar <laughs> like i'll be i'll be damned if that's not going through next time um uh and, and I guess keeping along the same lines, we talked about a lot of the big accomplishments. Is What's that big accomplishment that's sitting out there? Is there like one specific accomplishment? I really want to win this. Like, I mean, you have so many. Is it just I want a second Masters or is it some – it could even be something small. Um. Of course, I'd like to win the Masters and U.S. Open again. But uh, the National Doubles Championship in Putt-Putt has somehow avoided me for years. And I lost the playoff twice when I was an amateur. And I've lost the playoff once as a pro last year when I won the, the singles national championship. Me and Greg Ward lost the doubles national championship in a playoff and Greg's one of my absolute best friends in the world, and that still stings very bad. So if I could pick one, I'll take the doubles championship with Greg Ward and celebrate with one of my best friends in the whole world, and I'd be a really happy person. I could get that weight off my shoulders. <laughs> Can we just put a pin here and say, Joey, you have Greg Ward as your putt-putt partner, and you have Olivia as your mini-golf <laughs> partner. I mean, that you must feel blessed. <laughs> I mean... I was talk, talking to Penny today about putt-putt, and she started playing when I did when she was around 15. That's how we actually met with little kids. And I told her, I was like, what would you have said when I was 16 years old if I told you Greg Ward's going to be my partner <laughs> in putt-putt one day? And I said, you don't have to answer. You just said you're absolutely crazy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm blessed. I got Greg, who most people would say is the greatest player of all time in putt-putt. And he's he's absolutely won more than anybody has, especially majors, big tournaments. And Olivia, I mean, y'all know about Olivia. I mean, she's won tournaments all over the world. Uh, yeah, I'm very lucky. Very lucky to have the partners I've had. And I wouldn't trade either one of them for nobody. Um, they're both absolutely two of my best friends first and foremost and we have a lot of fun fun playing together in these tournaments and me and Olivia have been really fortunate to come out on top of a bunch of them 
Yeah. Well, yeah, we we've had a little. Now it's time yeah. for it's time for me and Greg to get one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and speaking of people who could not be nicer, Greg is an amazing mm. person as well. Yes. I love every time I get a chance to see him and talk with him. He's one of the people you meet and you hear it all the time. He's a better person than he is a putter. And as much as Greg has won, which is the most of all time in putt putt, he is a better person than he is a putter. It's hard to believe, but it's absolutely the truth. His mom and dad must be ecstatic <laughs> how he turned out. I mean, he is absolutely one of the finest human beings I've ever met in my life. I couldn't ask for a better friend. Yeah, no, no argument. I think he was, uh, I was around him a few times practicing at the Masters, and he was just giving me like lots of compliments. And then finding out a little bit later, like all of his accomplishments, it's like, wow, it's like very generous, you know, someone who's way down in the field, but it's, but it's nice and encouraging. I think there's a lot of people that kind of look at you and they're like, oh, like your competition and don't have time for, you know, like given like a fist bump or whatever. And he's just like, nice one. And like, there was no moment that i thought it was like fake it felt like very sincere which was is nice when you're yeah. still very young in the game for myself absolutely it's great to have people like greg around the game he's like i said one of the finest human beings you ever meet and i'll tell you a quick story when i met greg i was playing in burlington and i was amateur and it was the first traveling term i ever played in my life and i played as amateur and I was winning after the first day, and I'm back out there, and I'm practicing again. I look behind me, and here's Greg Ward. He's like two holes behind me. He's by himself, and he's following me, and I'm turning around, and I'm looking. I'm like, he's watching me play. <laughs> and I'm like, why in the world is he watching me play? <laughs> uh, I turn around, and I, I walk back out to him. Why are you watching me? I'm like, you have nothing I got. And he goes, you're winning the tournament. <laughs> I'm watching you play, which I was just winning the amateur, and he was a pro, but he wanted to see what I was playing because I was winning the amateur part, and that, from then on, me and him have been great friends. He, he told me, he's like, man, I watched you play today, and he's like, you're one of the best players I've ever seen, and I'm sure he tells you guys the same stuff, man. You can be great. Everybody can be great. To Greg, everybody can be great. Absolutely. He's absolutely going to tell you that you're great it's great to have people like that around you yeah it is and i, it, and I guess staying wonderful. on that yeah do, do you were there other mentors that you had you mm. know coming into the game you mentioned you were really young and then kind of the second part of that you made a transition from putt-putt into mini golf and were there you know same people different people that encourage you to do that help you through that transition um you know throughout that career because Wow, you know, 1985. We're almost at 40 years since your first win. <laughs> right. Uh, Albert Eli taught me how to play putt-putt when I was 15 years old. And uh, unfortunately, he got cancer. And he took his own life when I was 18 years old. And Oof. I didn't play much. I put all my putters up, my balls up. And I didn't play for a long time. And I can't tell you exactly the year I come back. But I started traveling 2010 putt-putt around the country. So probably four or five years before that, 
probably 2005, I decided I was going to come back and play somewhere around there. And I drove by the putt-putt and seen a little kid down there playing. And I'm going to stop and see what that little kid's doing. And I have no idea why I stopped. And I stopped and uh, ended up being one of my best friend's son. And he was working there and he was telling me all about the, the tournaments he'd been playing. And I told him who it was and he, he said, man, my dad's told me all about you. Why ain't you playing no more? And I told him my story like I just told y'all. But uh, he asked me to start playing again. I think he was about 14 at that time. His name's Travis Robinson. And he said, start playing again. I want to see you play. So Travis is probably one of the people that got me back to, to start playing again. Because I really didn't feel like it. Like I said, Elbert was really my mentor. And when that happened, I was at a young age. I really didn't want to see a putter no more. But uh, mini golf, um, I'd never played mini golf before, except for, you know, like on vacation and stuff, nothing competitive. And I played 2010 all year amateur putt-putt. And I hadn't planned on going to the Rumble or play the Masters. And uh, the night before the tournament, Lee Bo. Brad Lebo and Greg Newport called me and he's like, please come down, man. Just come play. You can hang out with us and stay with us. And <laughs> it's not going to cost you nothing. Just got our gas money. You come down here. And they talked me into it. And I got down here at like 1030 the night before the tournament started. No. And went around the course with Greg Newport around the no. rumble course. One lap. <laughs> and really just watched him play. Just watched him play a lap, and I was like, well, maybe I'll get to play here tomorrow. And back then, you didn't know where you played till the morning of the tournament. Sure. Now they post it the day before, but back then, you show up the day of the tournament, and you see where you play, and I was like, hopefully I'll get to play there. <laughs> so I come, come to the course the next morning, and sure enough, I'm not playing there. I'm playing the pineapple course. <laughs> so I, I didn't know nothing about it. I'd never even seen it in my life. So I go to Lebo, and I'm like, man, I'm in trouble. Like, I got to play the pineapple. He goes, nah, I got you covered. He pulls out this book. It's got all <laughs> of his stuff in it. He goes, take this with you. So we were in practice about probably 30 minutes is all I got. Maybe one lap around it, hitting two balls on each hole. And all I had was what he had wrote down as a tee shot. I didn't even know if it's a half a foot or a foot. <laughs> so I'm trying to read this cipher, all this stuff. And... Anyway, to make it faster, I played the whole three rounds of her, and I made three aces in the wow. whole three rounds, which is nothing. But I made one three. Wow! Off, off of off of Lebo's deuce chart, and it was actually a deuce that I looked at, and I looked at his chart, and I was like, I think he don't have that right. <laughs> and if I'd played it, if I'd played it the way he had it wrote down, I would have played the whole three rounds without a bogey. And when I met Lebo that day and told him what I'd done, I was kind of disappointed. I didn't know what a good score was over there. And I shot two under. And I told him what <laughs> I'd done. He, he said, you had one three. And I said, yeah, I had one three because I didn't trust your chart. And he goes, you're going to win the Masters. <laughs> he told me right then, he said, you're going to win the Masters. And he's right. It's all about, you got to make aces, but you, the deuce putts are very important. They're, yeah. 
every stroke matters. So if it's a two, a three, or a one, it's still a stroke. But the deuce putts are what keeps your momentum going in mini golf and makes you focus and try a little harder and get into the groove of what you're doing that day is making those deuce putts that you, you guys know they're, they're very hard to make. I mean, some of them are like two foot long and it just looks like the hole's the size of a thimble when you look yep. at it. And they're very hard to make. And deuce putts is where it's at though in mini golf. You got to make them if you're going to win. Yeah, it is. But Lebo and Newport's the ones that dragged me down there. And uh, the rest is history. I've, I've done pretty well. I didn't like lose it. as an amateur down there. I won that year nice. as an amateur. <laughs> and uh, I think I played it two or three more years, and I won it every year. The guy that does the radio show, Brian Catrick, he was like, mm-hmm. man, you got to go on. He goes, get out of here so somebody else can win this. <laughs> He's just kidding with me. But I, I went on, and funny enough, Brian won it the next year. It's kind of funny. <laughs> he got up on stage, and he thanked me for going pro. It's kind of fun. <laughs> but uh, anyways, I'll quit rambling. No, I'll, please. Like, that story is uh, – <laughs> I none of us knew that that was coming – and it's just like I could, I could sit here all day. I'm, I am curious though, because you had teased, uh, but I'm like, save it, save it, save it till we go live. We're curious about going forward thinking when is the next, uh, world putting league event? Can you mention it? What's going on or a date or even just tease some things about it? I'm going to break away from this interview because in the time since we recorded our conversation live with Joey, there was an update on the WPL, the World Putting League front. They had to change venues and the format a little bit. So if you listen to the live broadcast, you heard Joey talk about the Joey versus the world event. Well, that event has changed and it's now going to be called the Tennessee Shine Invitational that will be moving down to Tennessee at the Mossy Creek Mini Golf Course, uh, owned and operated by pro mini golfer Kyle Cutshaw. And it's going to be a four-person tournament where Joey Grabiel is going to be playing against Michael Rutledge and Texans, Rainy Statham and Olivia Prokopova. Each of the pairs are going to be playing a single round versus each other, and the winner of those two matches will be playing off for who wins Tennessee or Texas in the big showdown. It'll be all live broadcast, and it will be the same date as the event that Joey had mentioned in the live broadcast on August 13th. So stay tuned and follow the World Putting League over on Facebook and Instagram for more details on that. We're going to be tuning in and definitely watching it You're going to jump back into our conversation where Joey was talking about pro mini golfer, Tony Varnador. So we'll jump right back into the conversation with that. There's another one of my best friends. I don't give a shout out to Tony. Tony (laughs) uh, has backed me in every tournament for at least the last five, six, maybe longer years. Him and uh, Randy Reeves and Jay Clapper and Gary English. All four of those guys have backed me in every tournament I've played for the last six, probably five or six, seven years. I haven't paid an entry fee. 
in forever. I don't even know what it costs to enter these things. <laughs> and I mean, they don't even tell me half the time. They're just happy to see me play. And I give a shout out to them guys for, for doing that tip for me. Cause I wouldn't be able to play a lot of these things without the support from those guys. I mean, and the talking about the mini golf family, once again, I mean, people are just really generous in many ways. And yeah, those are, are all top, top class mini golfers, putt putters. They, this, like the added accomplishments by this like short list of people that have been mentioned on the show <laughs> is just ridiculous. You're talking combined years of experience in like several hundred years of experience, maybe at oh, this point. You just, you just take Newport and Randy Reeves and Greg Ward. And it would take us two or three hours to list what they won. And we would forget a lot of stuff. Yep. Those three players are people might get mad at me for saying this, but I'm a realist and, those three players, along with Kevin Lacey, are probably the best four players I've seen since I started traveling. So you're right. Those guys are an elite company. They're up there by themselves, and they're amazing players. I'm trying to get there, but those guys, they've got me beat, man. They, they've won a lot more than I have. <laughs> Maybe but, I'll catch them one day. <laughs> but but this is this is from a person, though, still who's – accomplishments are no small feat three out of the four world putting league events he's won a national at putt putt and a masters and this is within five years and those are not all of the accomplishments in that time that is that is impressive and you even at high point you and baird were like only two shots off Terry Phillips at at high point too, and you're like, yeah, I should have had those two. <laughs> I mean, I'm blowing <laughs> it, huh? I mean, it's like three. I mean, it's like three or four easy holes. Man, I was I was discouraged, but Terry outplayed us that day. I don't want to take nothing away from Terry. Terry outplayed us that day, and he was better than us that day, no doubt about it. He played great. He made the holes that I missed. <laughs> Pat, do you have any last questions? Um, I don't. I know Josh asked a couple. I think one of them's a, we can do a oh, – unluck and Olivia just jumped on too. See, we mentioned her. <laughs> <laughs> Olivia sharing my partner, uh, as you know, <laughs> uh, or you don't know. Those two within the Masters, there's a doubles competition – and uh, those two have played in it, and it just takes both of their scores independently. Joey, you shared the story about how you and Olivia became doubles partners, which is pretty hilarious. Can you share that story with us? <laughs> well, um, I don't know. I mean, uh, when I first met Olivia... She was young. I mean, I'm not even sure how old she was. Maybe 15 when she lost to Jay in the playoff. I'm not sure how old she was, but she was a child to me. Anybody that's 18 or under or like that's a child to me. She was a teenager at the time. And um, she was taking it really hard, losing to Jay. And I watched numerous people walk by her and 
not console her, and uh, I just decided I'd sit down there with her and console her. I mean, she was a little kid. So I sat there and talked to her a little bit, but it was a couple of years later. I asked her if she wanted to be my partner, and she said, I had to ask my dad. <laughs> I asked dad. And I was like, okay, ask dad. I thought, you know, he's probably not going to think that I'm a good enough player to be Olivia's partner. But uh, he came back and he said, yeah, he wanted me to be her partner. And I think uh, I think he seen me sit down with her that day and, <laughs> and console her. And uh, I told her she's going to win numerous things, Masters, and she has. Ever since then, she's been hard to beat. I think it made her mad. <laughs> but that's basically the story I'm not nothing special I just thought she needed a hug and she needed somebody to tell her that she was great and that she was going to win a bunch of them things at that moment and I think that's probably what propelled us to be partners just like I said earlier being nice to people just be nice to people if I see somebody crying like that man I I'm going to try to make their day better if I can. I might not be able to, but I'll try. I've seen I've seen lots of people cry when they lose these things. Uh, I know outsiders will look and they'll say, man, a, a grown man crying over that game is kind of crazy. I've shed a few tears over some I've lost. That, that was heartbreakers. And uh, I don't know, man. It just... Uh, it's tough to to put all the work into these things and lose sometimes, and you need your friends around you. I guess that's your question. I think that's what put me and together is just uh, just being nice to her when she lost that tournament that day. I think she she looked up to me that day and and thought I was her friend, and uh, I'll always be her friend. She's she's a real great person. And she's a great mama now. I'm proud of her. She's, she's a great mama. She's a, she loves that little kid to death. I'm super proud of you, Olivia. You couldn't do no better being a mama. And and she clarified she was 16, and she left a comment in the chat, too, that you're special for me and always be I love you. So, uh, you know, I think she's – I love you, too, Olivia. I think she's working on trying to get the the tears to come out on the podcast. Um, and, she won't be crying when we meet uh, in this tournament coming up. She won't feel sorry for me then. <laughs> She'll come out with guns blazing trying to take me down. And, and, and there, and she'll laugh about it if she does. <laughs> oh she, boy. She's super competitive, Olivia is, and, uh, Man, she's from the time I met her to now. She, her putting stroke, y'all have seen it. It's one of the best putting strokes you'll ever see, man. It's just dead pure, and it yeah. don't happen once. It happens every time she hits the ball. It's dead pure, man. She's she's amazing. Yeah, she's I, probably gonna win the Masters every year until she decides to stop. <laughs> she's got four, and she's got a long ways to go. And yeah, I kid her all the time. I'm like, man, her kid's gonna be beating up on me before long. I know. That's Things what I said. She, 
she was beating up on me when she was like seven and her kid's gonna be there and like i'm still gonna be losing to that family ken is it possible you could get beat by olivia and then her daughter both at the age of seven no what's gonna happen is they're gonna both beat us in the same tournament and then we're just gonna like well nobody's gonna know what to do then that'd be the first sign that we need to retire and start cheering <laughs> we we did have a we did have a question that uh i i'm assuming this is talking about a really specific like do you have a particular ball that you prefer playing with for each tournament between putt putt i know a lot of the putt putters the callaway super softs are you know the preferred ball of choice but for you for it's is that you for putt putt and is it different for the masters would you play it some with something different if you didn't have to play it with the Chromax? Ah, that's an interesting question. You know, we've played that Chromax forever, so we're mm-hmm. we're used to it. Um, it'd be interesting to see how another golf ball would react off of those rocks. You mm-hmm. know, and putt putt, we all use the Callaway Super Soft, and I'm not sure it's the best ball, but in putt putt, there's so many people at these tournaments. And they play the same shots over and over from the same tee dots. And if you try a different ball, you might get a different kick or, you know, it might be a a lighter kick or a bigger kick and you'll get off of the groove that has been created from all the practice all week long. (laughs) If that makes any sense, There'll, there'll be a groove created from thousands of shots being hit. And you really have to play the, the ball that everybody's playing with, you're kind of forced to because you need to stay on that path. And in putt putt, we all use the Callaway Super Soft. I'm not sure it's the best ball, but that's what we use. Um, we use the Chromax and in mini golf, and I thank them for giving all the money they have. They've supported mini golf when I guess any of these other companies have stepped up, you know, mm-hmm. to help us. And Chromax did, so you got to give them props for that. Their ball works. I mean, obviously, it works really well. For me <laughs> I mean, the scores, people shoot, the scores people shoot are crazy over sure. like the Aloha. And I mean, I shot uh, that new Chromax ball that they give us for the WPL events I'd never used before. The one I use is a real old one. And Olivia uses one like I do. It's real old, and it's a titanium. And the new one has more bounce to it. Hmm. And they made us uh, use that one in WPL events, to, I guess, to protect you know the integrity of it. They hmm. made us all use a brand new ball, and uh, so we used that one. And I shot eight under and six under on the rumble with it. I'm kind of rethinking things going back to October. <laughs> so, I mean, that new ball may be better than the old one I've been using because 800 and 600 would be hard to top at the Rumble. Yeah, I mean, if you shoot that every time, you're going to win every tournament over there. And there's a couple of holes, like hole seven. Mm-hmm. I think that new ball was a lot better on. That one huh? particularly, hole seven, mm-hmm. it seemed like it, it got a, a kick that lined up with the hole more. Oh. So yeah, the I, when I go back to the Masters, I'm gonna try the new one on every course and see how it reacts. And that's what we was using at the Aloha too, the new one. They made us all use it. And 
scores were really good. Will, will they let everybody. us use them? Will they let us use them? And if they do, then uh, can you get us a couple of those WP PR balls for ourselves? Well, the the one that they the sell at the Masters, it's the same ball. Sure. It's the it's same ball that. as the one with WPL. But the one that uh, me and Olivia and a lot of others use is it's seven, eight, ten years old. It was one mm-hmm. of the first Chromax that came out, and it's a, it don't kick as big as the new one does. Hmm. And I probably shouldn't say much about that, but everybody <laughs> should have. I'll say this: everybody should have the same opportunity to use the same ball. Yeah, that, and and I get that. Uh, here's another gear question <laughs> coming from the lovely uh, Brian Akers out of Atlanta, who you know well. Do you wear the same shoes for every tournament, like Gary Hester? I didn't even know that Gary no. did that. <laughs> no, Gary. Gary likes to. I know what he means though, because they change the height. They change your height shoes, do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can get uh, <coughs> some that are more padded, like Sketcher shoes. Mm-hmm. I think they make you a little taller. So uh, I can see where Brian's coming from there. It's in it. Uh, the bit? No, I. I wear my Nikes or Sketchers. And, <coughs> excuse me. Um, but that is an interesting question. And it does. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. One of my buddies was playing Kingsport, and he had a bad game. <coughs> and I asked him what what had happened. I said, "What happened, Brett?" And he said, "I got some new shoes, man. I was too tall." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, that was I, his excuse that night. But I can see that making a factor of you hitting the ball in the middle of the face every time. Paula Gay gave me that advice. You didn't have to wear the same shoes every tournament. But one of Paula Gay's advice to me early on was you should always wear the same shoes to practice that you're going to play in the tournament because then it's at least consistent throughout the thing. We don't, doesn't necessarily have to be all the way. And I, 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 Tom, I'm sure I told you at some point. And I like that's one thing. Like, all right, I got to make sure I'm not like just messing around in my sandals in the practice and then going up. Same shoes, practice tournament. This is my. It's true. I practiced in Crocs one time just for the comfort because they're comfortable. And I was like, I'm going to practice them things today. And the first thing I noticed was I had to grip my putter probably a half inch hmm. shorter because the shoes were shorter and it made me shorter. Yeah. So yeah, I agree with Paula. You want to, you want to try whatever you do in practice. You want to try to manipulate that in a tournament best you can. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I, I agree with Paula on that for sure. I try not to. I look at my shoes when I buy them, make sure they don't make me like too tall or too short. That's a good question from Brian. It's a great I've never question. Been asked that question. That's a great question. It's, it's a great question. And honestly, Pat mentioning that Paul Gay had said that on our podcast years ago was like, it put it in my head. And now it's like, I need my red super guys when I play. <laughs> I'm playing with them all the time. And it's funny because I will play with. Similar shoes of similar heights, different colors, and I won't practice well. But I know when I play in the tournament, I'm wearing my red shoes, and it's like on. And it's going to be a different thing. And it's it's helped. I, it's like a weird – it's just a weird thing. And I feel like I've had, for better or worse, enough successes where it's like that's just like a, my comfort food. And it's like – I hear you. I hear anything that makes it click. Penny bought me a green shirt seven or eight years ago, and I'm too fat to wear it now. But 
I, I probably won fifty thousand dollars in that shirt. I wore it on every Sunday, like Tiger's red shirt. That lime mm-hmm. green shirt was my yep. Sunday shirt. I'm sure y'all seen me wear it a bunch of times. Oh yeah, but uh, that was my Sunday shirt. And I'm too fat, man. I got to lose some weight. Penny says <laughs> I can't wear it no more, so I got to lose some weight so I can start wearing that shirt again. But yeah, I think uh, you'll laugh at this, but I think looking good helps you. I think I... looking looking the part helps you tremendously to mm-hmm. set your mind to play the part. Look the part so you can play the part. It's why I have these uh, primary colored uh, headphones and my AMA polo on. I, I am very much of that. I, I am very particular. <laughs> like when I pack for a tournament, there's certain clothes that that's what I want to wear when I put myself out there mm-hmm. and it feels good for me. And, you know, I think the only thing I, I, I need to figure out more often for myself is how do I find more courses that are playing either music on the course or adjacent to it that I like because I found this recently when I was down in Atlanta they had this amazing 80s playlist that I was really digging and it felt like completely relaxed and the same happened overseas I there was like a nearby club that was playing some tunes that I remember DJing and I was like just sitting there like I'm totally relaxed I'm in a playoff this guy just got an ace what's the worst that can happen I'm going to step up I hit the ace. Okay, let's go up to another hole. He hit another ace. Let's go up and match. Like, I got the groove. And it was just weird because I didn't feel at all uncomfortable. It was just like, yep, I know this tune. I played this in the club a bunch. Let's let's do it. Let's have some fun. I wish we could listen to music while we play more. Mm. Well, a lot of the putt-putt, you know, they just turn it all off. And when I was a kid, man, I'd play and... Like you're saying, there's a song you like would come on, man. You make five or six in a row. You're all excited to hear the song you like. And uh, but now, I don't know. Putt putt has gotten to where if you move, it messes somebody up. And... and kind of talking about there and have a little fun. Jeff, while you're playing, I don't know what to say about that. But I, uh, they can they complain about it a lot, but but they want complete silence. Yeah, you know, many guys were listening to all that different stuff. We're listening to the mongoose and uh, all kinds of different <laughs> stuff. Many makes it more it makes it more exciting. But I understand the putt putt people though. They're they've is uh, here to uh, trying to you know make professional in a way and i understand what they're trying to do i'm giving them a hard time but i understand what they're trying to do they were they were really the first traveling mm-hmm. putting yep. competition there was, was putt putt so they're trying to hold up a, a professional look so mm-hmm. i do understand what they're what they're doing i just give them really give them a hard time but i would like to listen to music while we play well joey you're, you're always welcome to come up to our matterhorn tournament because it's swiss space so she plays polka music the entire time it's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> that would be it's catchy funny. too strangely you're like yeah all right i can get down to this <laughs> it's like Got mexican good... music uh, i have no yeah. idea what they're saying in the mexican restaurants but their music's always good it's always and catchy the... 
I, yeah, here, here. We, I feel like, I feel like the signal. We've had a, like a really good signal most of the show, and it's getting a little choppy. But I think it's like the perfect, perfect yeah. ending point. We have like a few more things we're gonna knock out with uh, end of the show before we close it out. But Joey, it has it took too long for us to get you on, <laughs> and part of it was we were supposed to have it in two weeks ago, and my internet went out, so that's on me. But this has been an absolute pleasure to have you. And I can't wait to share a course with you at the Masters in October. So thank you for coming on. I, I've had a great time, guys. I love both you guys. And I love watching you all promote the sport. You're doing a really good job. Both of you are. And I look forward to seeing more in the future. And anytime you need me, you know where I'm at. I'll be glad we, to join Absolutely. In. We do. Thanks, Joey. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Wow. And, you know, we when we do these shows, we kind of like sketch a little bit about where we want to go, but those stories are just... I, I knew we'd get that. We've both had so many amazing conversations with Joey, and yeah, it was it was better than we could have ever imagined. So if you well, didn't get to watch point, the live stream, go back and watch it, too. Yeah, I was going to say, at this point, everybody's heard our stories because we do not have as long a storied career as most <laughs> of our guests. So we need people to carry the show. Yeah, yeah. And so we wanted to do a couple of quick news bits because yeah. with these live broadcasts, it gives us a chance to just knock out an episode where I don't have to edit it and talk about some things since the last episode. So we recorded a week ago, and surprisingly, a lot had happened in then. Um and starting with the World Adventure Golf Tour uh, slash British Open event. And that was in Dorage last weekend. And the weekend started off really nice. They have a charity event that is the annual Players Championship. It's the 25th one. And a friend, Simon Brown, from the 54 Problems, won the Players Championship. He had a great showing and... Money went to the charity of his choosing. I think we'll link in on Bond Golf all the scores there, and you can take a look at that. And then the big event, the six-round, two-day British Open, was another podcast former guest whose name in British mini golf is kind of not a surprise near the top of the list. Sevi Kukielka wins it in a wild playoff i believe it was either the third or the fourth hole that he ended up uh beating michael smith and he michael smith and ed pope all tied with the 205 after six rounds and went into a playoff so talk about uh heavy hitters in mini golf in the uk simon brown one stroke off of making that cut for the tie for first and then James Shaw one more shot behind him and Andy Exel one shot behind him as well I saw photos and videos it was very strange I've been to England now and as far as I understood they always played mini golf in beautiful 70 to 80 degree weather the sun is shining and I see videos of the British Open and it is miserable looking and rainy and wet. And I was just like, this isn't the England I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Congrats, though. So Sevi, as we talked about when we teased this a little bit last episode, he punches his ticket now to the World Adventure mm-hmm. Golf Tour final in the Czech Republic in 2024. So that's that's two of the two of the 12 auto uh, qualifiers. And we haven't had I don't think there was any crossover between those two events in terms of players. So like when you're looking at rankings and points and stuff, there wasn't much there. Um, but we may start seeing so, yeah. some of that. Yeah, you know, as we get to the the later tournaments, but yeah, I think Sebi's going Sebi. to is going to the Moravian Open, and I think there will be probably a little bit of crossover from some of the Swedes and all that as we get moving on. I wanted to make a correction. Oh, go ahead, Pat. I see your no. Just going to be. I was going to say, it'd be interesting to see if he wins that, and it pulls like a a NASCAR where he just starts like winning all these events and preventing people from auto qualifying into I mean, the finals. I mean, Sevy's Sevy's on it this year. You know, there was a reason why he was also cho- chosen as a wild card at this for the City Golf Championship. So he's going to get a lot of mini golf in, and I'm pretty sure he's playing at the Tour Championship at Pop Stroke Two which great segue. Uh, so the pop stroke in Houston slash Katie, we had talked about how Greg Newport had swept and I had talked about him winning the high roller and I was confused. There was not an actual high roller event there. They just had the qualifier. And from what I understand, and maybe I'll need another correction. He won the qualifier for the tour championship which is going to be for a ton of money. So kudos to Greg. Uh, He's going to be playing for a ton of money in late October out in Arizona. So uh, that'll be cool. Um, And then this was a thing that I caught on social media. We had talked about the Frankie's tournaments in Charlotte and they're like, Kevin D won last week. I'm like, and I saw kind of from his side, like that sure looks like Kevin Dickey from Hickory, North Carolina, who had the pleasure of meeting in person at High Point. I messaged him on Facebook and I was like, Kevin, did you uh go to Charlotte and win a thousand dollars at Frankie's? He's like, he's like, Yep, I did well. He's like, you know, so much for me being a putt putt snob. He's not a mini golfer. <laughs> and what does he do? He goes wow. over to Frankie's and gets a thousand bucks. And tomorrow night the 27th he's gonna be playing for 10 grand i think against five other players so uh we might we might have another we'll we'll recap that next episode for sure so uh congrats to kevin dickey uh he was just one of the many wonderful people i met down at high point so i was really excited to see that um and then we have just some upcoming tournaments we want to blast through pat you want to take them Yep, we'll we'll run through them. So we talked about a lot of, I think, all these last episodes, but just uh, some reminders. We've got a bunch of AMA events coming up right in, in uh, consecutive weekends here, So and some on the same weekend. So we've got the Red Putter up in Wisconsin. It's August 5th. You'll see Tom up there. Tabers, Ooh. which is in Maine, the next day on August 6th. You can fly across country and go play that if you want. Um, I know my, my fellow Penguin, Mandy, will be up there, our friend Highlighter. We'll be playing there as well as long as as well as the main mini golf crew. We got the O Street Summer Tournament. Um, that's August 13th. That's a tea time in Ocean City. All of those registrations are up and available. 
uh, Farmington Mini Golf. Theirs is going to be on August 20th. I expect their registration stuff to be up soon. They have a big glow golf, glow golf event that they're doing Friday night here. Um, so usually they get through that and then really start pushing towards the tournament. Um, and that's in Connecticut. And then the Shack in Pennsylvania is August 26th. So all of those AMA scoring events across the board, of course, you can find all of that at the events page on AMA Mini Golf. We'll have it linked in the show notes per usual. Um, we talked with Joey about the upcoming World Putting League stuff I, I, again in um, South Carolina, where we had talked about bluegrass last time. Don't think we're going to talk about that mm-hmm. anymore. We laid that out. We've got the World Championships coming up in Uppsala, Sweden. That's on August 22nd to the 26th. Yeah. I'll be there a few days beforehand so we'll definitely throw some stuff up on the the podcast i don't know if i'll do any live stuff at least some pictures and stuff of the atmosphere maybe we'll do some live interviews with some folks there which would be kind of exciting Uh, we'll see what we can set up uh and then also on the 26th man there's just a lot going on the 26th is the tennessee open at mossy creek and that's in uh, jefferson city tennessee our good friend kyle cutshaw running that with a bunch of folks that we know there really well. Um, I think Joey play, has played. Joey might have won that before. Actually, I should have looked that up. I think he won a match play I, thing last year. Yeah, there was something I, he won there. And um, and then the you want to talk the about last the Salty one. Seagull one? Yeah, yeah. We just got it confirmed last week. We had talked with the owner. Um, she is. Uh, I'll go back. So Salty Seagull Mini Golf in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin. It's at the base of door county of, of the island ephraim where they have the red putter tournament is like near the top of the island at the bottom of the island right before you go over the bridge is sturgeon bay and they have this newly opened salty seagull course that gary hester had won on last year and we had our ta- i had talked to susan the owner about hey you know if you have another tournament we could have it as an ama point scoring one and she decided this year to move it out to later in the year probably did not get some of the guys who are playing the masters coming in and kicking every one of the locals butts. And she's doing a $2,000 purse three round tournament on Saturday, October 7th, the final day of the masters where it starts at 8 a.m. You can go to amaminigolf.com. We have links out to the salty seagull where you can fill out the entry form. They're taking the t-shirt sizes. You'll get a t-shirt for playing. They're going to have a brat fry which feels very Wisconsin and Door County. Oh, sounds amazing. And they're going to be paying out down 10. So I think there'll be some people who want to earn some AMA points that are more in the Wisconsin, um, you know, Northern Illinois, greater Chicagoland area where that's not a horrible hike. It's not a short drive, but even for Minnesota, that sounds like a fun opportunity to uh earn some ama points in a red tournament that we just added so lots going on but we're gonna call it for the night we had a blast with joey and i'm going to let pat close it out as usual yeah well before i do that i appreciate everybody hanging in there with this uh, live we're definitely going to do some Mm -hmm. more of these love the interaction the questions the comments that's part of why we enjoy doing this and look forward to spicing things up on the podcast with more of these in the future. And with that, we're at the 19th hole. So until next time, putt when ready. Putt when ready.